Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, how you doing? Daniel Ruiz Tyson is available for Monday the 5th of April 2021 with me, Daniel Ruiz Tyson, episode 318. Hope you're all healthy and doing what you need to be doing to keep yourself going. It's 16.25 hours here in London. Bank holiday Monday here in the UK. Maybe it is too where you are. No let up for me today. Been working for the last eight hours disappointing way to spend the bank holiday though of course as I say every time the bank holiday season is upon us I'm not a big bank holiday guy but I would have welcomed a a bit of a break today uh, from the usual routine loads of reading over the weekend thousands of little post-it notes in a bag now and the reason they're in a bag is because those post-it notes are marking out what are often used books that I've had to purchase on eBay or in other cases they are marking out uh, books that publishers have uh, sent to me for uh, when shorts were short but either way I can't speed read I just don't have the knack I'm well I'm, I'm racing through the books I said this last week I race through the books but I'm still scanning every page and everything that I think I might need I tear off a little scrap of post-it note so I'm not wasting a post-it note and then you know, I'm, I'm I'm sticking them on the pages. And then when I'm preparing the questions, the post-it notes are, are taken off. And if they're used books that I bought in order to make sure that the show isn't a big loss maker, that I'm, you know, then selling the books on eBay. And that money that I'm raising via eBay, I'm trying to use uh, to allow me to uh, subscribe to uh, Adobe Audition. I got a trial last week of Adobe, I told you that, or Audition as they call it. I used it around 2004 when I first started getting into digital editing. Before that, I was very much a razor blade and tape guy, which I really liked. I liked the physicality of it, and uh, it took me quite a while to get used to digital editing. But my trial with Audition has now run out. I've just been so snowed un- uh, so snowed under even that I've not even had time to complete the walkthrough with Audition. So I think I'm just going to have to bite the bullet, subscribe to it, pay every month and uh, learn once I've subscribed to it. But uh, I've got three interviews to do this week for when shorts were short. And uh, I've prepped now one of the interviews. I'll prep the other one tomorrow. Then I've got another interview on Friday. There's less information about on that particular guest. So I'll have to do my homework carefully for that person. I've given, given, yeah, I have given myself quite a lot to do. I'm, you know, it's something that I was trying to avoid and it does impact on the writing, but it's the only way to really get that podcast to where I want it to be, to where I needed it to be before I launched it. So 
taken it off air for a couple of months. It was only going to be a month, but it's it's going to be a couple of months just because I'm trying to catch up on all the interviews I need to do. And I've got so many lined up now. And then I've got to work out how I'm going to edit them going forward because I did four hours of interviews last week. And that was just two interviews. They were just too long. They're going to be difficult to edit, but, you know, still two very interesting guests two very good books I had to read for for the prep. So uh, obviously having this show to do now, that's the last thing I'm going to do today. And uh, hopefully I can then enjoy the uh, rest of the day. Went out for a run at lunchtime and a uh, different way of recording this week, by the way. I'm using Clean Feed, which I've been really impressed by, though I'm also recording on Audacity as a backup or, you know, and then I'm going to basically weigh up which sounds better for this week, Clean Feed or Audacity. I don't think there'll be any difference. I tested Clean Feed as well with a guest, uh, test guest on Friday and my audio sounds brilliant on Clean Feed. Theirs sounded less great. The thing is that 99% of the guests I get don't have a mic. And also, if you're a podcaster, and never mind the fact that Zoom is not good enough for podcasting because it just involves so much work on the post-production side of things. If you're a podcaster, you need a mic, full stop. You can't just be talking into your desktop or your laptop. You're probably better off, in fact, talking into your phone. The mics on your phones are, are, are better than the mics that are built into your desktops. And that problem that I have is that my guests never have a mic. So what I try to do is I try to get them to sit in a small room, at least sit in a corner of a room, trying to minimize the echo. But I noticed a huge difference with clean feed, except that the guest's audio still wasn't brilliant. So I've got to learn all over again how to edit in multitrack, which I haven't done for years and then I won't need to touch my audio, but I'll need to beef up and polish off the uh, the guests' audio. But I'm certainly pleased that I've discovered Clean Feed. The thing is going to be trying to get people off Zoom. It's so bloody awful for podcasts, Zoom, but people have just bought into it. It's It's the COVID choice of you know, doing audio work. It's established itself as the market leader, even though it's really meant for video. And I actually would say WhatsApp audio, I said this last week, I think, WhatsApp audio is better. Skype is probably better. And certainly CleanFeed is a lot better. And CleanFeed's a lot easier. All they've got to do is you email your guest a link and they just got to click on the link. They don't need to download anything. But at the end of the day, they can do this. I, you know, I'm going to sound great on clean feed. They're not going to sound great because they won't have a mic. So that's that's the problem. I think all podcasters uh, face when they're doing that kind of work. No matter what you do, your end, you're a hostage to fortune. It depends. Unless you're lucky enough to have a guest who does a lot of these interviews and so has gone to the trouble of investing in a mic, you're going to be struggling. But if you are someone, if you, I don't think there's anyone left in the country now who isn't podcasting, I would advise you to try and avoid using Zoom if you're interviewing guests for your show. There are far better apps out there and they're not going to cost you anything. Something I noticed last week on a trek to my old neighbourhood of Stockwell, Clapham Road, uh, some new builds on the side of my old nursery that sprung up uh, three or four years ago. They knocked down my old nursery, a parish hall, St. John's, which was a lovely building 
albeit a very dark building and, you know, was often a bit run down outside. But it was a lot of history that went when they knocked that down. And next to it was a car showroom that had expanded over the years. That went as well. And they built these new bills. I think they call them uh, Clapham Yard when they are, in fact, Stockwell. Basically, that part of South London, because Stockwell is such a dump, they'll always try and get away with calling themselves Clapham. I noticed this, in fact, I was also in Lavender Hill last Thursday, and there's a new bike shop opening up on the site of some old bar, and uh, it's going to be called Clapham Cycles, and that's a bit naughty, because Clapham Junction, as I keep saying, Clapham Junction is not Clapham. They're two distinct entities, but and I'm sure that these people know that, but the Clapham name has such kudos in South London among the white middle class that if they can get away with it, they will. But it is not Clapham. Anyway, these new builds in Stockwell, they're just, I think, three or four years old tops. They're already subsiding, scaffolding erected last week. Time and time again, you see it with new builds. They are rush jobs. They go up too quick. They're soon a disaster. They, the subsidence leads to the ground uh, flooding. Saw it with the new Sainsbury's, uh, the Nine Elms Monster. There's always huge puddles around there in the rain. And it's just, you, you think that they would learn to slow down the new builds. We accept that the gentrification is done. We accept that, you know, there's nothing we can do to stop these buildings going up. But if you're going to go to the trouble of building them, why not take your time? Why not maybe make profits, you know, secondary to actually building them properly and then the profit will come. It's something that I don't understand. Also, Thursday, 1st of April, the hygiene failed to report from that morning at 09. Uh, I can't speak properly today. I am tired. A hygiene failed to report from Thursday, the 1st of April, 09.38 hours. A runner in the park stretching before they uh, kicked off the run. They had their hand placed on a on a on a park bin, no glove that I could see, and they'd placed their hand on a park bin to support themselves while they were limbering up. And you know these bins, these are park bins. They're full of dog poop bags, and even without those bags, it's a hygiene fail regardless. And that was very disappointing to see. Meantime, on the buses, I had to drop off some library books on Thursday and then I had to do my weekly shop so I had to risk the buses which I wasn't too thrilled about. I had to buy fish of course that day to get me through Good Friday and uh, as I might have said last week, forgive me if I'm repeating myself again, I'm, I'm not a big meat eater but knowing there is one day of the year where I can't eat meat makes Good Friday a long day every year. So I did get some breaded fish and, you know, I don't mind the fish, but it's the smell afterwards. You know, I just end up opening every window to get rid of that smell, close the bedroom door. I'm just not a big one for the um, piscine smell after having fish. I don't mind fresh fish, but even that obviously is going to smell. And I certainly would never have a clue how to prepare fresh fish. But, uh, you know, all those... uh, Summer, well, not all those, there were only five, I think. Uh, summer holidays in Spain, the fresh fish, those fresh catches, because my uncle lived about 30 seconds uh, from the beach. There's nothing like fresh fish. It's, um, you know, just the stuff I got in Little bore no resemblance to the fish of my uh, childhood. 
On the buses, meantime, I've started thanking drivers now when I get to my stop. I always thank them when I get on. I think that's just a polite thing to do. Um, though I don't bother if they're not masked up. And on Friday, I had two unmasked bus drivers. There were various passengers as well unmasked. At one point on the upper deck, I was the only one there with a mask. On the lower deck, as I got off the bus, I think it was just another girl there that was wearing her mask. Everyone else was on their phone. No, there were two guys unmasked on their phones. And everyone else, I think there were another four or five people, none of them were wearing their masks properly. And you just think, we're a year into this. We know we have to wear masks on the buses. Why aren't we wearing masks or wearing masks properly on the buses? How difficult is that? But going back to thanking bus drivers, I've started thanking them when I'm getting off because these people have put their lives on the line this last year. But I only do it if there's no one else getting off and if the lower deck's fairly sparse. When you're projecting, thank you, driver, you could be imperiling the other passengers. So I'm mindful of that. I've still only had the one jab. I heard from a friend this morning that there's talk that those who've had the uh, AstraZeneca are now looking at having a different make vaccine for their second jab. You know, that's a concern, that mongrelization of the vaccines. I'm concerned enough that I had the Oxford. Now you're telling me because of a shortage, you're giving me something else. I don't know how I feel about that, really. You know, the vaccinations are our only way out of this, but I'd be much happier if I was, uh, now that I've had the uh, first AstraZeneca jab, I'd rather the second was also an AstraZeneca. A story I forgot to mention last week, by the way, came all the way from Dubai, courtesy of the greatest ever toilet bingo champ that uh, Please Don't Hug Me produced back in 2010. Nothing big time about them. They won all these toilet bingo competitions 11 years later. They're generous enough to remember where their celebrity status came from and they sent me a link to a curious story they knew I'd be interested in. Let me just um, let me just uh, bring it up on the uh, PC here. I've been guzzling so much coffee, by the way, today, and uh, the glass is resting on a square coaster given to me one Christmas with my own name on it, which is a bit cheesy, not my kind of thing, but, uh, you know, short of coasters, I always use it. It's my go-to coaster. And uh, this coaster goes on to describe the typical Daniel. So it's a coaster in my name. That's why it was given to me. And it says, uh, good-natured, warm and popular. That's the typical Daniel. I've got to say, I'm not too sure on the last one, speaking plainly. That lack of popularity, I think it just reinforces my deep conviction that I'm going to have to live probably another few decades and try and get back to the popularity that I enjoyed in my late teens if any of my you know well if any not my few I'm I'm only going to pass away once get back to the popularity of my late teens if any funeral of mine is you know going to have a good turnout because right now it would be humiliating and there's no way of um, turning this around quickly particularly in a pandemic this show right even though it has so few listeners and i know that now more than ever because since transferring to acast i get the download stats i never had before down to the individual play and the individual location and the stats are pitiful but it still outweighs the number of people in my life right now 
I probably, I think, I don't know if I'm popping here. I might be popping. I've got a popper for this mic, but I've been told that I don't need to use it. But I'm popping a lot today. I may need, uh, I've been playing around with the mixer, so maybe that's increased the popping. Back to the funeral concerns. I think that despite the low downloads, I'd probably need to hire a minibus to get listeners along to the funeral to bump up the attendance because otherwise it it, it is, it's going to be humiliating okay let's uh what was i yeah i'm gonna give you that uh dubai coffee story where is it okay here it is the headline dubai asks cafes to stop serving beverages in baby bottles carried by customers this is about a month old now this story odd trend led by customers is a covid19 risk and against local culture officials warn so What is the story here? Okay, coffee shops in Dubai have been told to stop serving drinks in baby bottles after some customers were found bringing in their baby bottles and filling them up with beverages. On Saturday, the commercial compliance and consumer protection sector in Dubai economy tweeted that it has directed coffee shops to stop the negative practice, which it was alerted about by social media users. Such indiscriminate use of baby bottles is not only against local traditions, but mishandling the bottle could contribute to the spread of COVID, the tweet said. Dubai Economy called on the public to report any negative practices. Okay, it's a snitch line, I think. And uh, what it doesn't say, what I'd like clarity on, because the article doesn't say it, it doesn't say why some customers wanted to be served in baby bottles. Is this a thing now? Is it just a a fashion thing? Which reminds me, talking of fashion things, again, I saw so much on Thursday. I was on the bus about to get off at Lavender Hill. There was a lot of traffic. There were these uh, teenagers on scooters and bikes. The kid on the bike was really slow he was riding on the pavement he was riding in sliders and i've said it before they are a a, a ridiculous shoe they've become very popular i think owing to whatever people in the states wearing them but it's fine if you you know if you're walking to the beach forget about how silly they look they may not look silly to you they look silly to me but that's just my opinion but forget that that's not the issue here It's not a great shoe for wearing on the street in your everyday life if you have to break into a run. It's certainly not a great bit of footwear to wear if you're cycling, I would have thought. And this kid was there. uh, He was there just running, just trying to close down a few of these tabs. Sorry if I sound distracted. So I saw him on a bike wearing sliders and I just thought, that's not really how you should be cycling on a bike. That doesn't look very safe. You know, that looks like the kind of footwear that could easily catch on the pedal in and around all the um football reading by the way it's uh, it's been nice to finally finish off my trot up the Phineas Redux book the fourth or fifth in the six uh, strong palace and novels series I mean some of these classics are so wordy they can just take a couple of weeks to plow through and you think these guys would really have benefited from a, a, a an editor who didn't uh, indulge them you know, the, the, I can't think of a classic that wouldn't have benefited from being shorter. As great as they are, they certainly could have done with um, a bit more editing. I started this particular Trollope book on the Kindle, and then I thought, I can't read an 800-page book on a Kindle. And I can't. I mean, even, I think, th- 300 pages I could go to on a Kindle. Even that, that's at a push. So I ended up getting a physical copy before the pandemic, from the library 
and I found where I was, you know, where I got up to on the Kindle, and I just started reading from there in the physical copy. And then I realized that my physical copy is finally due back this week. I've renewed it more times than I can recall. There's the throat. So I thought, well, I'd better return this. So I returned it last week. So I just finished the book on the Kindle. The last hundred pages I had to negotiate on the Kindle wasn't very enjoyable. I'm going to have to swig some water. What is going on with a throat? But that's the first time, he said, swallowing. That's the first time I've had to juggle a book between Kindle and the physical copy. I'm now reading Kitty Peck and the Daughter of Sorrow. And I've forgotten the name of the author. I think it's Kate Griffin, is it? I'm going to check. Should have checked this before the show. Stay with me. I follow her on Twitter. Author. Just checking here. You you will have heard the typing on my old school keyboard. Yeah, it's uh, Kate Griffin. And uh, I'm reading Kitty Peck and the Daughter of Sorrow. Shh. I've had it for a year also from the library. Keep that to yourself. I'm down to my last pair of latex gloves. That's something I need to address this week, whether it's buying some more online or, or buying some from uh, buying some from a shop. Won't bother with the Poundland ones because they always split very easily. The, the blurb for Kitty Peck and the Daughter of Sorrow, summer 1881, the streets of Limehouse are thick with opium and menace. At 18, Kitty Peck has inherited paradise, a sprawling criminal empire on the banks of the Thames. Determined to do things differently to her fearsome grandmother, she now realises that the past casts a long and treacherous shadow. Haunted by a terrible secret and stalked by a criminal cabal intent on humiliation and destruction, Kitty must fight for the future of everyone she cares for. I'm enjoying it. It was a bit of a slow burner. First 20, 30 pages, I was thinking, I'm not sure this is my thing. It's got an element of fantasy to it. And, you know, I'm not great with fantasy, but I'm enjoying it. It's not the first in the series. Happened a bit lately where I have not found the first book in a series at the library. And I just get into the series in one of the early standalone books and then because I enjoy it, I then have to go back and track down the first book, by which time, you know, by the time I get to that first book, there have been spoilers. Daniel Ruiz Tyson is available. Episode 318. Follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at 1607westegfacebook.com forward slash DRT. Available. All the work can be found at DanielRuizTizen.com. There are PayPal and Coffee.com links by each show every time a podcast episode is released. And uh, if you don't want to support the show via Patreon, if you're able to uh, afford the odd donation, you can do so via those links on the website. And uh, the latest bonus shows will be we transferred to you on the day. Most importantly, the best way to support this work is via the Patreon page. Sign up at patreon.com forward slash DRT available. Thank you to you uh, patrons for your ongoing support. Struggling again with a throat, just had to have a, several swigs of water while I pasted in that sting. Some more pandemic uh, dreams, lots of social distancing in these dreams now. And uh, lots of, well, they're very claustrophobic, narrow spaces where I'm having to negotiate my way through by turning to the side. I think that might be 
that might be down to a lot of the literature I read, a lot of, uh, you know, uh, alleyways, what are they called? Warren's rap runs. I don't think they're called rap runs, but certainly in a couple of the books that I've read lately, you've got these very tight alleyways around the Limehouse area, and I think those have made their way into my dreams. The author has described how claustrophobic these alleyways are and I think that's certainly uh, had a bit of an impact on the dreams the last week. In this particular pandemic dream I was on Landor Road in uh, Stockwell, South London. My late great friend Lopez was in that dream. We were um, firstly I should say Landor Road uh, being one of the greatest roads around in South London of which there are many but this one I've always found particularly unsettling and it's always been unavoidable for me because I grew up just two streets away and you know it's still a road that I'll I'll go to uh, I have to go through when visiting my aunt the Clapham North End of Landall Road I always thought was worse that would probably surprise people who know Landall Road but I always prefer the Stockwell end to it it's one of those roads that are equidistant to Stockwell Clapham North and Brixton you come out the Stockwell end you, you you're more or less in Brixton by then the Stockwell end of Landall Road I preferred as a kid because it was you know part of the route to my aunt's when she was living on the Angel Town estate in Brixton there was a chip shop there at the end of Landall Road, which is still there, but it's now combined as a Chinese takeaway place. There used to be two separate shops. And also there was a, a scam in the late 80s that allowed you to make free phone calls from public phone boxes and not having a house phone. And whenever I was short of 10p's, I used to use the phone box right opposite to Chippy and uh, try and scam that phone box. I think it might still be there. The phone box outside the cost cutters, I think. I think it's still there. But I never pulled that stunt again after the uh, BT operator called me out on it one time. And I thought, well, I've had enough recalls from this phone. It is just time to uh, get out while the going is good. So Lopez and I, we were in Landor Road and we were social distancing with this stream, within this stream rather. And there were a number of little shops on that road, which is... You know, there were a number of little shops on that road when I was a kid, including a couple of junk shops. One of them was a, I mean, the state of this junk shop was, I think it might have been on the corner of K Road. It's now a house. It was just so grim. And I think we had to go in into that shop. It wasn't actually a, a junk shop in this dream. It was an electronic shop. You know, the kind of electronic shop you might get in a market, uh, just a, a sole trader, not part of any chain. They had a security guard. They had all these fancy gadgets and Lopez and I were looking around and we then asked the the uh, guy behind the counter where we could clean our hands and he pointed us to an alleyway and said there's some hand sanitizer at the end of that alleyway and Lopez and I, we exited the shop or I think we might have gone through the back of the shop and negotiated our way through this very tight alleyway and there it was it was like a, a sanitizer fountain and we were there trying to cleanse our hands and that was the dream and just everything right now seems to be pandemic related when I'm having these uh, dreams and they tail off as badly as this anecdote but that's it that's all there was to this dream it was walking through a childhood road with a friend no longer around and we were just trying to keep our hands clean in this pandemic age. Today's run wasn't great. 
neither was Saturday. Saturdays, I think. I, I what the not going to edit that out. What I've done the last couple of Saturdays is I get up, have a coffee, brush my teeth, go out for a run. And I think one reason why I might struggle is on, you know, when running very early is that I'm still half asleep and there was just very little in the legs on Saturday morning. It was a bit of a setback because on Thursday I'd exceeded my own expectations when I'd absolutely blown away my post-COVID best run times by about 3k. I had an inkling that I might be on for a, a better, you know, a better run and I just pushed myself. What I do remember is that my arms were really cold. It was a nice evening, but my arms were fairly cold. And the last two runs, Saturday morning was a, a setback. I, I knew it would be a setback. There is a habit with me. or well, it's, it's not unusual for me to follow up a really good run with a an underwhelming run. That consistency is always a problem with me. And also, I didn't really rest for 48 hours I, you know, I'd gone out 36 hours after my last run. And I think if I'd gone out later in the day, I might have fared a, a bit better. But I just like what I like about going out to the park early is that it's just very empty. And I, I much prefer that. And I think I might have gone out. No, it was last Tuesday I went out in the evening, I think, as the lockdown was being eased and the park was rammed. And as I was out there and I thought, oh, it's been a long time since I've run in the park as busy as this. And I've always felt very self-conscious about running. It's just, you know, just I know that no one's really going to be looking and there's loads of runners and there's no reason why they should be looking at you or why you should stand out unless you've got a ridiculous running gait. But I just felt really uncomfortable. But once I hit my stride, I was OK. But I think, again, no, that was um, Tuesday was was decent. I did hit my target. I just wanted to get past a, a certain point that I've not been able to to attain since coming back post-virus. And then it was Thursday that was a brilliant run by the standards of the last six weeks. And so Saturday, I was definitely overconfident. It was cold on Saturday. I think that played a part. Today was really cold as well. And I made the mistake because it was so cold. I wore about seven layers, a hat and gloves, and probably about a third of the way into the run today, I'd had to take the gloves off and the hat because I was feeling very uncomfortable. And, you know, I had a jumper on, I had a long sleeve top and then five T-shirts. And I was just carrying too much weight with everything that I was wearing. And also it was really, really cold. I had the long johns out as well, by the way. And... uh my pace was better today, I'll, I'll say that, but I just didn't have anything to try and challenge last uh, Thursday's run. It's, it's, it's weird, there's just, you know, the legs are empty right now and hopefully every, every other run, hopefully I'm going to be able to get in a, a run to match last Thursday's run and Hopefully with the better weather, maybe I'll I'll get fitter. I mean, today from the beginning, I just wasn't enjoying it. You know, just running on grass and it's dry now. And it just really does sap your energy, particularly if you're not feeling 100%. Right at the end of it, by the way, I had a couple of guys start chatting to me. I didn't know what they were saying. And I asked them what they were saying and they looked up skywards and they said, is that yours? And there was a drone. And that reminded me of the um, 
the incident several Christmases ago. It was late in the year. I can't remember when. It might have been 2017, but there was a drone outside this top floor window, which, uh, you know, as I tweeted today, I'm sure buggered off when it realized uh, I was a writer and there'd probably be nothing worth stealing from this flat. And that drone's appearance had coincided with a number of burglaries on this road. But yeah, I saw the drone and I just started looking at the drone. It was fairly high up. But then I think once it realized or whoever was behind it realized that people had noted the drone. It, I mean, it must have doubled its height and then it eventually disappeared I don't know why you'd need a drone unless you're making a film. I don't know why a normal resident would need a drone. It's um, I know that there are uh, various things you have to do via the aviation authority before you can get a license for that drone, but I'm sure that there are people who don't bother with all of that. I just think there are a lot of people using it as an intrusive, nosing about thing. Up to no good. I, I don't understand why you would have a drone. Lack of motivation at the moment. Still no clearer on what I'm going to do with the writing. I've tried to get in touch with people. I, I got in touch with um, an old uh, an old friend from my days on the London Comedy Fringe who's far more experienced when it comes to theatre than I am just to try and find out what the general consensus is in terms of how playwrights emerge from this, not just in terms of, you know, whether it's a risk, a financial risk to put something on this year, but how would you make it? How, how do you make something? Are we, you know, are your performers going to have to be socially distancing? How, how do you do this? It's I can't get my head around it, so I'm just trying to, find out. I, I need to find something to bring me focus because there's no focus right now. There's just a whole heap of pressure working on multiple podcasts, trying to make money. And, uh, you know, the freelancing is just dead at the minute. So I'm feeling very flat. I was listening to something at the weekend and they were talking to some creator and they said that at the start of the pandemic for the first six months, they were really motivated. They were creating a lot of new stuff. And the last six months, they've just done nothing because it was such a grim winter. It just sapped their creativity. And I would say there's something in that. I would say my experience has been similar. In fact, at the start of the pandemic, I'd say I was doing too much. And then, you know, I started scaling that back. I wasted a lot of time last year on the freelancing, doing stuff I didn't want to do. But, you know, it paid a few bills, allowed me to buy this equipment, but... I just didn't enjoy that kind of work. It was very time consuming and I didn't feel that I was being paid enough. I've lost my thread. Let's move on. Breakfast update. Toast this morning. 33 appearances in the last 40 days. Remarkable, but should be noted that for the second consecutive weekend, Crackers took both the prestigious Saturday and Sunday slots, which is really just down to me trying to drag out the loaf. I think nothing more than that. All right. This week's Nectar update. You know, I wear my glasses so often. There's the glasses, Dave. It is. I wear my glasses so often now that I almost can't feel them. And every now and then I find myself putting my fingers up to my eyes and just feeling the lens and, yeah, these glasses. 
They're a fixture now. Okay, what was my opening balance last week? My opening balance was 196. I uh, had to buy a bag for life in Sainsbury's last week. Bought some sugar-free Hall's cough sweets again. There's no cough. I think sometimes, you know, the, the throat's a bit tickly and I'm looking for any excuse to have these Hall's because I really do like them. Bought some yogurt, bought some lemon juice, antibacterial wipes, some uh, hot sauce, which I may need to lay off really. I can't uh, imagine that's doing too much good, although I don't have it every night. And uh, got six points. My new points balance is 202 nectar points worth one pound and a penny. And uh, I'm looking at that and I'm thinking maybe by the summer I'll hit that magical 250 mark. If you've got some store points, doesn't have to be nectar points. If you've got some store points and you want to let us know how you're getting on, do email the show DRT available at westegg1607.co.uk. Let's have your store points. Let's look at what coupons, uh, what vouchers rather you're using, how you're exploiting the store points market and what tips you might be able to give me. Have I got my, yeah, I've got my Star Wars uh, football results book here. Would have helped if I turned it to the right page. After a very long season, I mean, this particular season, Silver Age Season 5 started back in September and owing to all the trouble around uh, between October and December, I didn't play much, as you know, during that period, but... Certainly trying to catch up now is trying to wind the season down. I think the fact that next season is going to eight aside has given me some extra impetus. I think I'm really excited by that. I've been trying to strengthen several squads. I've been raising, uh, you know, money uh, online, selling selling books, uh, partly to finance the football show and also partly to try and, um, you know, bolster some of the Star Wars football squads. And uh, there were some rare items. They're known as the last 17, the last 17 vintage action figures that came on eBay last week. Uh, there was an Anakin Skywalker. Now that is, that got me excited. Normally my discipline's very good. You know, I've got some big squads now. There is no team that probably probably even uh, needs any new additions. But I saw that. Then I saw a Bespin Luke uh, Luke Skywalker, Besbian Fatigues from The Empire Strikes Back. My original uh, Luke, Besbian Fatigues, uh, broke his leg in the summer of 82 and since then has been leading Tatooine, the most successful side in Star Wars football with a sellotaped leg. So he's a brilliant player, but he's not the player he could have been. He certainly doesn't score many goals. He's more, you know, more about the guile and the, and the technique, but he's had to really change his game the last uh, 30, whatever, 39 years now. And I've always thought maybe it's time to replace him, retire him. He can become manager of Tatooine and I can distinguish between this Luke Besman and the other because you've got a yellow-haired one and you've got a brown-haired one that you can buy. Anyway, the first bid, all five bids were... All five auctions were reaching their denouement on Saturday afternoon. I'd written the times down on a post-it note when I had the bid. The first bid, I put in a reasonable bid. I think it was about £3 something. And I got to within eight seconds of winning that figure. And then I was just blown out of the water. And I thought, okay, this is going to be difficult today. 
Saw a couple of the other action figures, a Cloud City pilot that I've wanted. He always goes for quite a lot of money. I thought, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not paying silly money for anything. There was another one, Attack Commander. He was at two ninety nine for a long time, and then by Saturday afternoon, I think he'd shot up to fifteen pounds. I thought, okay, can't do him. That's not for me. But Anakin Skywalker, I was determined to have a real bash at that, and. I think that one was due just before 1800 hours on Saturday. That auction was ending. And I think by about 1700 hours, I think he was at 21 pounds. And I thought, my God, it's really weird because it's a long time since I've seen figures like that come on the eBay market for such a low price. And I thought my luck was in. I thought this is a collector or a seller that doesn't know the value of these action figures. But if they didn't know the value of those action figures, they certainly do now. Now, I mentioned last week or the week before that, that uh, Star Wars football will be switching to eight aside from seven aside next season. And I'd actually forgotten that in the very early days of Star Wars football, and this is the summer of 82, around the time that the kids from Fame, or Fame as it was called, the TV series had debuted in the UK on BBC One and the World Cup. Spain 82 was just over. And just before the first Star Wars League was set up in October 82, all that summer, going into the autumn, I was playing my first games of Star Wars football, Monsters v Men, five-a-side Star Wars football games with big girls made from these uh, bamboo plant sticks that I bought from uh, Clapham Pet Shop. And uh, I'd always been fascinated by goalkeeping. Obviously, that came from my dad. If you've followed my work for a long time, uh, you know, I was obsessed with how you can cover angles in a big goal and trying to keep the ball out of a big goal. So right from being a small boy, I had that curiosity to try and transfer that whole angle thing to my action figures I didn't want them keeping goal in a Sabutio goal which they would have been too big for so I built my own goals and you know with netting although I don't think I ever worked out how to fasten the netting properly but those first games were monsters v men and the monsters were basically anyone that wasn't uh, human and uh, I had Spider-Man the goalkeeper who was you know because I took uh, because it was a while before I got a Boba Fett figure I'd got the Boba Fett figure actually that summer of 82 that's when I fell down the escalators holding the Boba Fett uh, figure that I just bought at Arden and Hobbs so there were spiders yeah, the, the the formation was always one two two so the goalkeeper two defenders two attackers no midfield Chewbacca and Hammerhead. Chewbacca was the captain. That was the defence. Still to this day, both captain their clubs, Bezbin and Alderaan, respectively. And up front was Snaggletooth and Stormtrooper. Now, Stormtrooper obviously isn't a monster, you could say. Um, I wasn't thinking like that back in 82. And uh, the men's side was Hoth Solo in goal. Those Hoth action figures have always, because they're quite robust and have gloves, uh, they are ideal goalkeepers. So it was Hoth Solo in goal. Uh, Luke Besbin fatigues before his injury. He was at the back along with Lobot. And up front was Han Solo and uh, Death Star Commander, who originally went by the name of Death Squad Commander. And I think uh, the uh, makers, I think it was Kenner, realized that that had grim Second World War connotation, so changed his name to Death Star Commander. And actually, he was made instead of Governor Moff Tarkin, which was an odd choice that they did. Well, first of all, they should have made both. But if you're going to have a toss up between 
a Death Star commander and or rather making an action figure of one of the biggest stars of that film peter cushion it's it's strange that they never made, uh, never made one of peter cushion that really was strange they've made one subsequent to that who i have who plays for rebels but it's strange that he wasn't one of the first 12 so what happened after that no i'm losing my th- no i'm not losing my thread i know what i'm talking about here the point i'm making is i had forgotten that because I'm thinking next season it's a switch to eight aside, am I doing the right thing? And I'm thinking, well, it's been a gradual process. It used to be four aside, then five aside, then seven aside. And now it's eight aside. That's just, you know, that's natural progress. But then I realized that, well, these early Star Wars games before the league was set up were actually five aside. But when I came to create the league, I didn't have enough players for eight league teams when the league kicked in, so I had to make them four aside. I probably don't have enough carpet in the flat to adapt to eight aside easily. I am wondering how I can expand the pitch. I started looking at um, some stuff online. I know the new camp in Barcelona was restructured around 2002, I think. I think they expanded the pitch, or I think they cut around... There was a big gap between the fans and the players and they wanted to bring the fans closer to the pitch. So they played around with the pitch that year. So I've tried to find some information on that to see if there are any lessons that I can learn. And also, I've always fancied getting a short-length AstroTurf, the kind that market traders use. And I did inquire it, did inquire about it back in 2019. And, you know, the, the, I've been playing now for two years, the Silver Age, and it's frustrating. The ball just doesn't run true on this carpet. It's very, very difficult to, to play the kind of Star Wars football of uh, yesteryear. Anyway, let's move on with the, the results from last week. The 29th of March, League Week 10, Alderaan beat Empire 1-0, a penalty from Snaggletooth. Uh, I think only Alderaan's second win of the season for Empire, another missed opportunity that uh, a win would have taken them top. Uh, Bezbin, nil, X-Wing, one. Uh, that was, again, another penalty. I actually think I got that wrong. Was it a penalty? It was a penalty. Yeah, I didn't write it down. I think I got that wrong. I think X-Wing were actually at home. I've got to check that because I got confused with that because the home team always kicks off from the same end. And I realised in that game that I got that wrong. Um, Tatooine, the derby. Tatooine 2, Rebels 0. The fixture that used to be, for a long time, the biggest in Star Wars football. It's now just an ordinary fixture that epitomises, really, the decline of Rebels, the four-times champions that this game is now regarded as nothing special. A comfortable win for Tatooine by two goals uh, to nil, which included a goal for Luke Besbin fatigues the uh, Tatooine skipper. So the tables after te- the table rather after ten games, Tatooine top seventeen points from uh, ten games. They've all played ten games. Death Star finally slipped a second after their third defeat of the season. They're on fifteen points. Goal difference plus four. Tatooine's is also plus four, but they got seventeen points. Hoth in third place on fifteen points. Uh, plus three goal difference, which is why they're in third place rather than second. Empire stay in fourth, 14 points, 
plus five goal difference. Bez been slept a fifth, 12 points, plus one goal difference. They've been conceding a lot of goals this season. Aldron now up to sixth place, 11 points, minus two goal difference. X-Wing also on 11 points, but a minus seven goal difference after their bad start earlier in the season. Rebels now at the bottom, eight points and minus seven goal difference. The uh, Europa League semi-final first leg, Starkiller Base 2, Moz Eisley 2. This is a controversial game because there's a huge admin error, which was very controversial here. Moz Eisley have almost been thrown out of the tournament as a result. Endor Rebel, I'll say that again, Endor Rebel rather than Endor Rebel. Endor Rebel was supposed to be suspended for this game. He picked up a couple of bookings going into it. I didn't realise that. Only when he got booked again, I it triggered a, a flashback. And I thought, hang on, he's been booked in the last game, hasn't he? And indeed, he had. Rather than throw out Moz Eisley, I thought it'd be fair to just throw out the keeper. So he can't play. He would have been suspended for the next game anyway. But now he will be suspended for the final as well if they make it to the final. It's a bit like West Ham in the League Cup in 2000 when they were forced to replay their victory over Aston Villa. Aston Villa in the uh, quarterfinals after fielding an ineligible player and they promptly lost the replayed game. So it's a bit like that. So that was 2-2. That's the first leg. Second leg, sorry, first leg also, but in the other semi-final, Hoth at home to Naboo. Hoth hadn't conceded a goal for seven games, but a known goal from Bib Fortuna gave Naboo uh, the lead on, what was it? Yeah, around nine minutes but they only held it for uh, just over a minute. Pruneface equalising for Hoth. Pruneface has now got six goals since returning to Hoth back in January. Naboo will start favourites in the second leg as they've got the away goal, but you wouldn't bet against Hoth right now. Just one goal conceded in eight games. They are a tough team to beat. The Champions League semi-final first leg on Saturday night. Endor nil, Death Star nil. The Endor keeper picked up a card. He's suspended for the next game. And uh, four minutes from time, C3PO leading the line brilliantly for Death Star. He also picked up a booking, which means he's suspended for the second leg. So that's a huge blow for Death Star. But a, a really good result. Probably their best Champions League performance of all season. And in the other semi-final, uh, a game that really probably shows the flaw behind the structuring of uh, this year's Champions League because rather than have two groups of four, as I did with the first Champions League seasons. I restructured it so it was four groups. Four, yeah, four groups of four teams. So expanded it from eight to three teams. So you've got teams that are a bit lightweight who've made it through to the knockout stages, one of them being EOS Prime, who'd already lost to Tatooine in the group stages twice uh, aggregate score of 10-1 uh, and now they're meeting in the semi-finals EOS Prime travel to Sandy Lane Tatooine running out comfortable 2-0 winners goals from uh, R2-D2 and Jedi Luke Jedi Luke scoring his 13th of the season puts him second in the list of top goal scorers 3PO still heading that list with 15 goals and that is it that is the end of today's show if you enjoyed the show and have yet to do so please do rate review and subscribe to it on apple Podcasts. it is the easiest way the best way for the audience for this show to grow uh, don't forget also you can follow uh, my writing work at daniel ruiz tyson dot substack dot com 
started that a couple of weeks ago now and all that remains for me to say is have a good week get those shoulders back keep on walking towards the sun keep washing those hands i'm daniel ruiz tyson and this start of the week i have been available 